0: I ask that you would please help <clears throat> as we attempt to preach your word, Father, and Lord, you know that there is a work that needs to be done tonight that I can't do, but Lord, I ask that you would help me to be used of you, that your Holy Spirit would come upon me, and that you would use me uh, to be able to help the people tonight, and that we would hear from you, Father. Lord, I ask that I would hear from you tonight, in your precious name I pray, Amen. Well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 5. In Exodus chapter 5, sometimes when you read through the Bible, it seems like there are some chapters that are really just a bridge to get you from one chapter to the next. And that's what you would assume Exodus chapter 5 would be if you just read through it. It almost seems like... It's just a bridge, or it's just giving you some information uh, to build up to the next big events in the book of Exodus, which you may know are the ten plagues coming down. but. The Bible tells us that all of God's Word is good for uh, reproof, and it's all good for instruction, and all of it can teach us something, and Exodus chapter 5 is actually a very exciting chapter, you know, as we've been studying the book of Exodus, specifically we've been studying the life of Moses, I'm I'm really beginning to love Moses as a character, as a man of God in the Bible, and I always have enjoyed reading about Moses and stuff, but as I study his life, I'm really... uh, enjoying uh, learning about him. Because as we've been going through the book of Exodus, we if you remember, we learned about Moses' parents. And we learned about his childhood, and we learned about his personal life. Um, Then we learned about his call, when God called them. And how he had that conversation with God that went over two chapters there. And they went back and forth and he gave him his excuses and all that. But now here in Exodus chapter number 5, we find Moses doing God's work. And we find him in God's will doing what God called him to do. And it's very interesting because as he does that, we are able to see some of the struggles or some of the things that Moses went through. And those can be lessons for us in regards to... Uh, God's word, and, and it's especially exciting to be able to deliver something like this or study something like this on a Wednesday night because you know Wednesday night Bible study is really to me. I see the Wednesday night Bible study as the the, the few and the faithful. You know, these are the people who really care about God's word. Really, do, you're not just uh, you know we what we would call when, I, when we were growing up, we'd call them a smoke You say, what's a smoke? A smol is a Sunday morning only. <laughs> you know, and, and that's not this crowd. You know, that's not the the you know the the people that just go to church and kind of check it off. These are People who read their Bible, pray, love God, are interested in God's word. You know, would take time out of their schedule to, to come out and, and and study the Bible. And, and, and these are the people uh, that are going to work in the ministry of uh, God and through the ministry of God here at Verity Baptist Church. So as we work in God's ministry, we can learn from God's work uh, through Exodus chapter number five. And I'd like you to just see a few things from this passage. If you look at verse number one. The Bible says, and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, very famous words in the Bible, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Point number one I'd like you to see about God's work is this, the demand in God's work. The demand in God's work. You know, I, I don't really understand it. I don't understand why we assume this as Christians, or especially in a church like this one. Uh, and you say, what do you mean in a church like this? I mean in a Bible-believing church. I mean in a church where where we uh, say we believe the Bible, where we claim that we have uh, God's Word, and we actually believe. We're not not standing up here with an NIV and saying, you know, we have God's Word, but it's got mistakes in it, or with a new King James and saying, well, we have God's Word, but there's error in it. You know, we stand here as independent fundamental Baptists and say, we know that we have God's, Perfect, inerrant, you know, uncorrupted word of God. I know I have it in my hands in its entirety, preserved for us today. And we would stand up and we would say that as Christians, I hope we would say that as Bible-believing Christians today, and we would read verses of the Bible, we'd read the scripture, but for some reason in our in our in our churches, across the nation, in our society, but you know, I'm not really that worried about the church down the street or the church across town or the church on the other side of the country, for some reason, even at Verity Baptist Church in a church that would preach God's word like we preach God's Word and would read God's word like we read God's Word and, and believe God's Word like we believe God's Word, we develop an attitude in Christianity where we do not understand that when we are serving God and working with God, God works with us through commands. He works with us through demands. Today we have this idea that God is the God of suggestions. I hear it all the time. People say things like, well, I know the Bible says this, but here's what I'm going to do. Or I know God, you know, God really, you know, wants us to do this, but this is what I'm going to do. And we excuse ourselves, and we excuse our sin, and we excuse, you know, we say, well, you know, I know God says that this is what I should do in this situation, or this is what Here's what I'm going to do. And let me tell you something. If you're going to work for God, like Moses decided in chapter 5, he went down to Egypt, he said, fine God, I'm going to do your work, I'm going to do your ministry. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is not, hey Pharaoh, God is suggesting, or God would like it, or God was thinking. He said, thus saith the Lord... This attitude of well, I know the pastor said. Let me tell you, if you ever, if these words ever come out of your mouth and I hear you, I I might just, you know, blow a gasket. (laughs) Well, the pastor said that blah blah blah, but I'm gonna, you know, look. The pastor didn't say anything. Thus saith the Lord God. That's what we're worried about. God's word, you know, if the Bible said it, hey, that's the truth. Amen. But here's the thing, we'll say. We, we all like to get to heaven and be like Moses. But we don't want to live like Moses. And Moses understood this after two conversations over a period of two chapters with God. He understood this thing. He went down to Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth, to the most powerful man on earth, looked them in the face and then. The demand in God's Word. Let me tell you something. If you're going to serve God, you're going to understand. God does not suggest things God requires. God says, if you're going to serve me, you must live a certain way. You must do certain things. Those are not up for debate. Thus saith the Lord. That's what He said. Amen. And if you believe that, then you wouldn't have this attitude. Well, I know we shouldn't really be listening to that the music, but but the thing is that I, I, that's what I grew up on and I really like it. Do you understand know what I'm saying? See, we have this attitude where we make excuses for everything. Well, I, I know we sh- shouldn't be watching that TV show, but I, it's just, you know, excuses, excuses, excuses. And you're going to understand, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to work for God, you got to understand the demand in God's work. The demand in God's work. Number two, look at verse number two, you're going to understand the disrespect in God's work. Look at verse two. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? Now it's very interesting. In verse 1, Moses says, Thus saith the Lord. And in verse 2, Moses, the man of God, representing God, and Pharaoh, the leader of the world, as we know it in this time, representing the world and sin and everything that's wrong unbelievers. believers. Moses says, Thus saith the Lord God, and in verse 2, the Bible says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey His voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Let me tell you something. If, If you think you're going to get into the ministry of God into God's work and say, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be a servant of God and I'm going to do God's will in my life, and you're thinking you're going to do that because for some reason the world's going to respect that or the world's going to honor that or the world's going to say, look at Sister So-and-So, she's already going to church and look at her life and they're going to honor that somehow. Let me tell you something, you've got the exact wrong opposite idea. When you serve God, Moses, you get disrespect from God, from, from the world. They, when, when Moses showed up and said, They'll say the Lord God. They didn't say, Oh wow! They said, Who's the Lord? Why should we obey Him? Why does it matter? Let me show you a few verses real quickly. Keep your finger there in Exodus chapter 5. But look at uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Remember we were there on Sunday morning? Hebrews chapter number 11. Go, if you just go to real quickly. I'd like you to see something. Obviously I didn't preach through Hebrews 11 on Sunday morning. But it's a very powerful passage. We spent a little bit of time in Hebrews 11. But I'd like you to look at verse number 36. Hebrews chapter number 11. Look at verse number 36. Remember we talked about those wonderful Christians. Who the Bible says. Of whom the world was not worthy. And in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse number 36. The Bible says. And others. When referring to these Christians. It said, And others had trial. Look what it says. Of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. The Bible says that one of the trials these people went through was mockings. you know what the word mocking means? It it means to laugh at, it means to make fun of, it means to minimize, it means to not take seriously, it's it's to joke about it. And it says that they they, uh, had trial of not just mockings, but a very cruel mocking. Look at, uh, you're there in Hebrews, go go real quickly with me to Jude, Jude chapter 1. Jude is right before uh, the book of Revelation, Jude chapter number 1, look at verse number 18. Jude chapter number 1, look at verse number 18, the Bible says how that they told you their, look what it says, should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. The Bible tells, God promises us that there is coming a day, by the way, we're in it, when there will be people, the Bible says that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Let me tell you something. You can go back to Exodus 5. If you're going to serve God, if you're going to serve God with your life, I'm not saying as a pastor or missionary, I'm just saying whatever God has called you to do. Maybe that is to raise children. Maybe that is, I know that is to be a soul winner. Maybe you in your life. Let me tell you something. You are not going to do that and get respect from the world. You're not going to go do that and be honored by the world. If you're looking to be honored by the world, you must do something that is not important. You understand that? When you do the most important thing that an individual could do in their life, which is to get saved and serve God, the world will look at that and say, who's the Lord? I'm not going to obey that. I don't care about that. You say, well, I want the world's respect. Well, do something stupid. Dribble a basketball across the court and throw it into some hoop, and the world will honor that. Oh, it's like a so-and-so. You know, he's got a sixth-grade education. He's on all sorts of drugs. He's a fornicator and an adulterer. But we— but all of Christianity, so-and-so. You know, I don't even know who the famous. Whatever, LeBron James. Oh, the is so great. Are you an idiot? Are you serious? You know, but that's that's Christianity. You say, well, why is that? Because the world honors the dumbest things. You understand that? Yeah. The world, uh, you know, some 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 whore gets up in a miniskirt and sings some song, or some effeminate little boy gets up and sing, and he's a teen pop whatever, and the world <laughs> honors that. They love that. But you stand up and you preach God's word. You stand up and you raise your children. You stand up and you take a stand, and they say, "Who's the Lord?" I- I'm just trying to warn you something because. If we're going to do something for God in this, in this community, and in this city, and in this country, we're going to have to ask the people who understand what it means to serve God, who understand what it means to do God's work, and you're not going to serve God. And have Pharaoh will look at you and say, Oh great Moses, come on in. They're going to say, who, who is this God that you're serving? They're going to say, Why should I obey His voice? Why should I let Israel go? And they said, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. I said, number one, the demand in God's work. I said, number two, the disrespect in God's work. Number three, I'd like you to see the duty in God's work. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, and they said, The God of the Hebrews have met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert. And sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Now, this is a very interesting verse in in the book of Exodus. Because when we think of the book of Exodus, and we think of of Moses and the children of Israel, who do we think of God pouring out His wrath on? The plagues. Egypt, of course. But look at verse number 3. And they said, this is Moses and Aaron. The God of the Hebrews had met with us. That's Moses and Aaron's talking there. He, they're talking to Pharaoh. They said, let us go, we pray thee. Three days journey into the desert. Look what he says. And sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Look what he says. You, Pharaoh, you've got to let us go. Look, look what he said. Lest he, the word he there is referring to God. The word "lest" there means unless. He says, lest he, unless God, fall upon us. Who's he else referring to there? Moses, Aaron, the children of Israel, he said, look, God's going to fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now you say, well, what is that about? Because God didn't fall upon the children of Israel with pestilence or sword. In fact, the exact opposite. When God rained down His plagues on the children of Israel, we'll see as we continue in the Book of Exodus, He actually kept the children of Israel safe from that. When they had darkness, there was light in Israel. When they were, you know, when they had all sorts of different things happening, when the hail falling and people were dying. It wasn't happening for the children of Israel in Goshen. But Moses said, if you don't let us go, he's going to fall upon us. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? This is what God had told them. God had said, you tell Pharaoh that you've got to go serve God. And this is what God said. He said, if you don't do it, Moses, and if you don't do it, Aaron, and if you don't do it, children of Israel, I'm going to fall upon you with pestilence or with sword. Now here's the thing. They did it. We just read about it. They went to Pharaoh. And they said, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Now, did, did he let them go? No, he didn't. And Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel did not have the ability to be able to force that hand. Pharaoh had that power there and Pharaoh did not allow them to go. Now let me please, I want you to catch this. Please understand what I'm saying. Pharaoh did not allow them to go. Moses and Aaron did what they could to the point that they could. And you think, God's punishment didn't fall upon them. You understand that? God told them, You go down, and you worship three days' journey in in the wilderness, and Moses and Aaron said, if we don't do it, God's going to punish us, and the pestilence is going to punish us. And they said, we are going to attempt to serve God, because that's our duty. And when they went to Pharaoh, and they said, Pharaoh, let us go. And Pharaoh said, no. Now look, that was no longer Moses and Aaron's fault. Because Moses and Aaron did what they could. And when Pharaoh stopped them, guess who the punishment fell on? Do you understand what I'm saying? Go with me real quick at Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six in your New Testament. Ephesians chapter number six, look at verse 13. Ephesians chapter number six, look at verse 13. Ephesians 6 13, the Bible says this. Wherefore, Ephesians chapter number six, verse 13. The Bible says, "Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day." And I want you to notice the last phrase in verse number 13, the Bible says this, "And having done all, look what it says, to stand." Do you see that? Ephesians 6:13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse fourteen: Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me tell you something. That word, you know, I, I read that and I think, God, you're, you're telling them to stand there? You're not telling them to advance? You're not telling them to fight? You're not telling them to go forward? But let me tell you something. He didn't say stand, Okay. You know, that's the opposite of what we're preaching on Sunday morning. What were we preaching on Sunday morning? Running the race, right? Now, if you have the ability to run the race and you choose to stand, you're wrong. If you're able to run and you choose not to, you say, I'm just going to stand here, you're wrong. But there is a time in your life when it's okay to stand. You say, when when is that time? Look what it says. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day... You say, Pastor, when is it okay in my Christian life when when maybe I, I can't run? Maybe I can't walk. Maybe- Watch my power. He said, because when when you get to the point where you've done all you can do, and you just need God to step in, that's the only time in your life when you're allowed to stand and just watch God perform a miracle. Until then, you better be running. Until then, you better be doing everything you can. You better be, you know, going to... you? Moses and Aaron? You say, but, but if, we don't, if we don't serve God, the pestilence and, 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 and the sword is going to fall upon him. No, because if you've done all you can do, and you came to the brink, and you can't do anymore, and you're just standing, guess what? God will honor you. Amen. And God will say, you know what? That punishment, that's not your punishment anymore. That's the punishment of the person who's stopping you. And he says, those plagues were meant to Israel, if they disobey God, but because they have done all to stand, He says, they're going to go to the person that's stopping you. That's the duty in God's Word. He's like, what's the duty? Do all you can, till you can't do any more. Look at every option. Look at every idea. Do whatever you've got to do to accomplish God's will in your life. And it's over. To come, look. It's okay when the children of Israel. We read in the book of Exodus when they came up to that Red Sea and they had done all they could do. It's okay to stop and stand and say, "God, follow too." But it's only okay when you've done all you can do. That's your duty. That's your job. Look at verse four. Verse four is very interesting. The Bible says, "The king of Egypt said unto them." Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? Now you gotta understand what's going on here. The children of Israel are enslaved by the children of e- by the people of Egypt, and Pharaoh says to to Moses and Aaron, he said, why why are you uh, letting the people from their works? He says, get you unto your burdens. Look at verse five. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. He said, Why are you making them rest, telling them they're going to go and sacrifice their God? Verse 6, And Pharaoh commanded the same day, the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. Now you understand, the children of Israel were enslaved to make buildings out of brick. And the Egyptians were providing for them the straw, and they were making the brick to perform their tasks. And Pharaoh said, when Moses and Aaron showed up and started talking about letting the people go and worship their God in the wilderness, in verse 7, Pharaoh said, "You shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. He said, Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Do you see that? And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye he shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice their God. I want you to understand what's going on. Pharaoh says, you know, these people have too much time on their hands. If they're, they're thinking about serving God and, and leaving Egypt and and performing, you know, uh, sacrifice to their God, they have too much time on their hands. So here's what I want you to do. Don't give them straw anymore. Make them go out and find their own straw. But here's what I want you to do. They've got to They've got to produce the same amount of work that they were producing when you were giving them the straw. Do you understand that? So before we were giving them the straw, they were making bricks, and they were making, you know, whatever. You know, 5,000 bricks a day. Well, now they have to go out and find their own straw, but they still have to produce that 5,000 bricks a day. Obviously, that's not in the Bible. I'm just using it as an example. They still have to produce the amount of, uh, of, of work and labor that they were doing when they were being given the straw. Look at verse 9. Let the more work be laid upon them, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, Get you straw where ye can find it, yet not out of your work shall be diminished. They said, you go find the straw wherever you can find it, but we're not going to diminish the amount of work that is expected from you. You've got to do the same amount of work as when we were giving you the straw before. Now you've got to find your own straw and do the same amount of work. Look at verse 12. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw... Do you see what they're saying? And you gotta, they're looking for straw, and they're saying, Get as much work as you were getting done when we were giving you straw. Fulfill your task, fulfill your work. Look at verse 14. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten. Do you see that? The, the, the children of Israel, the people that were leading the children of Israel, they were beating these men because they weren't accomplishing their goals and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Look at verse 15. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh. So the, these, these officers of the children of Israel, they come to Pharaoh because they're confused. They're saying, you, you used to give us straw and we made X amount of, we produced X amount of bricks, but now you're not given the straw, we have to go find our own straw, and you want us to produce the exact same amount. We can't do that. That's too hard. And in verse 13, the Bible says, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou with thy servant? They said, Why are you treating us like this? Look at verse 16. They said, They're talking to Pharaoh, There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is is in thine own people. They, they don't understand, they're confused, and they're saying, Look, they, they, they want us to get the same amount of work done, but they're not giving us they're, they're beating us because we're not a they're not giving a straw because they don't understand what's going on look at verse 17 but he this was Pharaoh said ye are idle ye are idle therefore ye say let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord go therefore now and work for there shall no straw be given you ye shall, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks and the notice verse 19 and the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were an evil case after it was said, you shall not minish out odds from your bricks of your daily tax. It became very clear. When these people came and they, they said, to, they said to Pharaoh, I don't understand. There's some sort of miscommunication or, or something's wrong but they, they're beating us because we're not producing the same amount as we were producing before. But before they were given a straw and they were going to Pharaoh hoping that Pharaoh would be like oh yeah, what's the problem here? But instead Pharaoh said, you're idle. You're idle. And he said, here's why you're idle. Because you're talking to me about serving your God. And he said, we're not going to give you straw and you will perform the same amount or we're going to beat you. And the people, when they heard those words, they realized, man, we're in trouble. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I told you we're talking about God's work, right? And I told you we were talking about the demand in God's work, and we're, do- the- we're talking about the disrespect in God's work, and we're talking about the duty in God's work. But I- I'd like you to notice something, that there is a diamond in God's work. Just last, I don't know when it was, Sunday night or last Wednesday night, uh, Brother Hutton and I were talking after the service, and he he, he, gave, he told me this analogy, and I've heard it before, but I thought it was very very fitting to the text. Uh, that must have been a word that God wanted me to hear. But it, we were talking about how diamonds are produced. And you know, I, I believe diamonds are made out of coal. Does that, anybody know that that's to be true? Was that carbon? Carbon, okay, but you know, okay, I don't know. That. So anyway, there may not be carbon, whatever. But um, what we were talking about, Brother Hudson and I, or Brother Hudson was explaining to me, is that the way you make a diamond is by the amount of pressure that that is put upon it. You know, whatever, whatever it is that you're, that's going to produce a diamond there. And it's pressure and heat, which we know. There's a temperature-pressure relationship. The more pressure there is, the more heat there's going to be and all that. But that, that's how you make diamonds. And that's why they find, you know, uh, diamond, I don't know what they call them, diamond mines or whatever. Whenever they find an area that they, they, they're able to find diamonds in, it's because there, there's carbon that has been pressurized for a certain amount of time. And that has grown that... Uh, well, we would consider something of no value because of the amount of pressure and the amount of heat into something that today we consider very valuable. A diamond. You know, something that, that, that people pay thousands of dollars for. And it's very valuable and it's very indestructible. It's, very, it's something of, 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 of a lot of expense. But I want you to understand something. If you're going to get into God's work, I want you to... And I've said this before, but... We need to just say it again. If you're going to serve God, there's a... There's the diamond effect. The diamond theory. In God's work. God was ready to work with the children of Israel. But when Moses showed up, God said, I need more pressure. He said, I need more heat. He said, before... Moses showed up in Egypt, he said, I heard the cry of the children of Israel, I have seen their sorrow, I have seen their affliction, I have seen their bondage, he says it's bad, he said I'm going to go and deliver them out of that, but when God shows up, he says, you know what, before we do this great work, I need a little more pressure, and what does he do, matters get worse and before they were in slavery and they had to produce a certain amount now they were in slavery but they're not given straw and they still have to produce the same amount and they're saying it's getting harder on us it's getting hotter on us it's getting more pressure on us and God says that's exactly what I want let me show you something we've seen these verses before but I want you to see it again go with me to Job real quickly Job chapter number 23 Job chapter number 23 in Job 23, and let me tell you something, the trial that God puts us through in our lives, the tribulations, and the storms, and the things that God puts us through, you say, why is it that God, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I'll feel like I literally have a burden on my shoulders? why is that, that sometimes I feel like there's just so much pressure on me, and, and I want God to kind of relieve that a little bit, and, and get that off of me, but why is it that God is doing this? And Said, "Why is that? Look at look at what one of my favorite Bible characters, Job, said. Would you say, for those of you who know the story of Job and read the Book of Job, would you say that Job was under a lot of pressure? Yeah. I mean, he was definitely under a lot of pressure. He was under a lot of a big trial there in his life. Lost all his children, lost all his wealth, lost his health. His wife turned against him." And in Job chapter number 23 and verse number 10, Job said this about his situation. He says, but he, referring to the Lord, knoweth the way that I take. He says, God knows where I am. God knows my path in life. I like how he says, God knoweth the way that I take. You know what he's referring to there? The path that I'm on the course that I'm running? He says, God knows where I am in life. He says, but He knoweth the way that I... Here's what Job is saying. Job is saying, God knows that I've lost my children. God knows that I've lost my health. God knows that I've lost my wealth. God knows that my wife has turned against me. God knows that my friends have turned against me. He knoweth the way that I take. Look what he says. When He hath tried me... I shall come forth as gold. He says, says, here's why God's doing this. He's trying me and He's putting pressure on me because He's trying to make me better. The key words of that verse are this. I shall come forth. Let me tell you something. In your Christian life, God is trying to make you better. God is trying to make you more valuable. God is trying to make you more expensive. God is trying to try you to make you gold, put pressure on you, make you a diamond. But the only way you do that is by adding pressure and by adding heat. And in your life when you say, why is God putting me through this? Why am I going through this? Why can I not get any relief? Let me tell you something, God's trying to make you better. God's trying to make a diamond out of you. Job said, I know that God knows where I am in life and I know that I shall come forth. more sacrificial more holy more right with God he said I will come forth as cold that's the point Amen, Pastor. see but God needs to put pressure on you to purify you Amen. And that's why the diamond what, what's, what's more expensive a diamond that you look at and it's cloudy or a diamond that's clear? clear a clear diamond obviously you say well how do you get a clear diamond more pressure more purification. How do you get better quality gold? More fire. More purifying. God, Job said, I shall come forth. He said, God is making me better. God is making me stronger. God is making me purer. God is making me clearer. Let me tell you something. When you're going through something in life and you're like, why is it that God is putting me through this? Why is it that your life. He's trying to purify you. He's trying to make you better. And my guess would be it's probably sin. My guess would be is that it's sin for all of us. He's trying to make us better than we are. Well, what is he trying to get rid of? Probably the thing that you know that he doesn't like. Probably that thing that you said, well I know the Bible says but I'm still good at that thing. That's why the pressure's on. That's why the fire's hot. He's trying to make you better. See, if you understood this, most of us would probably say, I don't want to serve God. But if you would say, you know what, I want to, like the Apostle Paul, be able to say, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. If we want to end our lives like Moses and like Paul and like David and like the great men of There's going to be a diamond effect. A pressure put on your life. And God says, wait, you say, why are you doing that, God? Because He's trying to make you to come forth as gold. That's what He's trying to do. Go back real quickly, look at verse 20. Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 20. Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 20. But see, unfortunately, when God does this in people's lives, See, when the pressure is on, you ought to be excited. Say, why? Because you know God's working. Because you know God sees value in you. Because you know God sees that the, the, there is something worth investing in. And he, and he sees there's something worth working on. And He sees there's something worth doing there. But unfortunately, most of us, when the pressure is on, instead of saying like, Job, hey, God knows where I'm at, and I shall come forth as gold. And there's a danger in God's work. There's a danger in God's work. Sometimes, when people only come to church on Sunday morning, and they, and that's all they ever do, and they do that for years, that's a very comfortable zone. Sometimes as a pastor, I'm very comfortable with that. I, I, I'll be very honest with you, and, and I, don't take this the wrong way, and I don't even know if I should really be explaining this to you. I, I want you to serve God, and I, I that's my goal in life, but sometimes when I see people start to grow when I see people start to take those steps of, of, of growth, you know, uh, they, they start coming to Wednesday night, Bible study, they start showing up for Sunday night, they start expressing, they made me want to go slowly, and they start saying, hey pastor, I was reading my Bible, and I start seeing that growth. So, A part of me starts getting a little afraid, you know why? Because I know that very soon down the road, the pressure will come on, and sometimes that pressure is too great. Look at verse 20. Exodus 5, verse 20. There's a danger in God's work. And they met Moses and Aaron. the, the, The children of Israel just left their meeting with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, you're going to do the work. We're not going to give you straw. It's going to get harder for you because of Moses and Aaron. Look at verse 20. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way. And they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, this is what the children of Israel said to Moses and Aaron. The Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of the servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And to them, that's what, that is the wrong attitude. They said, Moses, ever since you showed up, and you started preaching your Bible, and you started preaching God's word, and you started saying, you're thus saying the Lord this, you're thus say the Lord that, our life has gotten harder, our work has gotten more, we, we used to be more comfortable, and they're saying, we don't like the pressure. There's a danger in God's word. See, you gotta understand something. Go, go with me real quickly. Exodus chapter four. Look at verse nineteen. Exodus chapter four. Look at verse nineteen. Do you remember when God was calling Moses? Look at what He said. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. That's not the verse I want. Good night. Exodus chapter four. Hmm. Verse. Give me one second. Hmm, where was it? And the Lord said unto Moses, Look at verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. Look what he says. But I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. And I want you to understand something. There's another verse that I... that That's another verse I wanted to show you. But there's another verse... It's somewhere in chapter 4, but I can't think of where it is right now. Where he said... He told him, I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. God told him when they showed up. Before Moses ever left, he said, look, I, I know that Pharaoh's not going to let you go. See, everything that's happening right now, God already told them that. God told Moses that. And Moses was supposed to tell the children of Israel that. Let me explain something to you. This is why this type of preaching is so beneficial. That someone is warning you, hey, before you step out and you run that race, before you step out and you serve God, before you step out and get serious about your Christianity, stop playing church, stop playing games, and let me just warn you right now that the pressure is coming. There's something beneficial about that because then you can be prepared like Job and say, hey, God's doing a work in me. That's what's wrong with so many other churches in our nation today because it's all a positive only, happy, God loves you, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Let me tell you something. Mocking will come. Persecution will come. Hard work will come. Pressure will come if you choose to serve God. There's a danger in God's Word. Lastly, look at Exodus 5. Look at verse number 22. And Moses returned unto the Lord. Moses shows up. Moses is a new preacher in town. Moses shows up to Egypt and he's trying to start his little Baptist church there and he begins to preach his first sermon and he says, Thus saith the Lord God, let my people go. And from the moment he showed up, his mouth he, he, he opened his mouth, everyone that said, Moses, Amen! All those people's life began to fall apart. And pressure was added on them. I, I mean, I... Sometimes people start coming to our church. They get saved and baptized, and I can I can almost tell you, you know, to to, to a date when they'll start coming to me and saying, "I'm having issues with my family," and yeah, I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, I know. I'm having issues with my my children. Yeah, I know. I, I'm having issues with with my with uh, with this or at work or 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 that, that issue. You know and that is, and." and, and normal. And you say, well, why is that? Here's why. Because when you start serving God, the pressure's off. When you start serving God, the heat gets on. When you start serving God, God says, I don't like you to just be some worldly, lazy Christian. He says, I'm trying to make you something better. I'm trying to make you a diamond. I'm trying to make you cold, but I can't do that while you're comfortable. I've got to add heat. But look at what Moses said. Verse 22. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore, has thou so evil entreated this people? And look at the last phrase of verse number 22, probably the saddest statement in this passage. Moses says, why is it that thou hast sent me? Have you ever thought that to yourself? You ever, you ever stayed up late at night and just asked God, what am I doing? What, 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 what is going on? This whole thing is falling apart, God. He says, why is it that thou hast sent me, look at verse 23, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Let me tell you something, there is doubt in God's word. Sometimes you set on this race, and you say, I'm going to serve God, and you come to church on a Sunday morning, and I try to encourage you, and... Say, tell you put on your spiritual running shoes and get in that fight and, and go do something for God and live for God and you say, Amen, Pastor, I'm going to do that. And you're, in, and you're in chapter 4. And then chapter 5 shows up in life and you're like, What's going on? Let me tell you something. It's coming. The fight is coming. The heat is coming. But, and, and, and the doubt is coming. There's a quote in our bulletin this week. I didn't, I didn't put it there. My wife put it there. But I thought it was a very fitting quote by one of my heroes, Dr. Jack Hiles. He said this, and it's in our bulletin. If you got a bulletin, you can look at it. It says, Faith is asking. Faith is believing. Faith is doubting. And sometimes, you know, you, you may read that and you think, what? what? Faith is doubting? Let me, let me explain them to you. Sometimes in your Christian life, you may doubt. You may pray and say, God, this is what I need. And in your mind you're like, there's no way that's going to happen. But here's, here's the beautiful part of this quote. Faith is asking. Faith is believing. Faith is doubting. But when you're doubting, here's what faith is. Stepping out anyway. And Moses went to God and he said, God, from the moment that I got he said, why has thou sent me unto these people? He said, we've accomplished nothing. He said, you said you're going to have to deliver these people and you haven't but you don't see Moses quit. You don't see Moses throw in the towel. Study the great man in the Bible. I'm not going to do it. I don't have the time to do it right now. But study the great man. John the Baptist, was when he was in prison, he sent his disciples to Jesus, and he said, oh, is this the one that we're, that we're waiting for? He said, can, can, you, can you see if, that, if Jesus Christ is even the Messiah? Jesus himself said in the garden, he said, let this cup pass from me. Look, sometimes in your walk, you're going to say, "What am I doing? Is this even worth it? God, why have you brought me to this place?" When you know, faith is exercise when in your mind you doubt and you say, "I'm going to do it anyway." Faith is exercise when in your mind you doubt and you say. doubt in God's Word. You're insane if you think you're going to start serving God and not doubt. Let me tell you something. If you start doubting a little bit, don't beat yourself up over that. And just say this. Faith is doubting and stepping out anyway. Faith is doubting. Faith is saying, I don't know that I can run that race, but I'm going to try it I don't know that I can accomplish that task, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know that I can read my Bible cover to cover, Pastor, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know that I can do so winning, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know that I can pray, but I'm going to do it. That's faith. When you say it's too hard, the pressure's on, I've got all these issues going on, fact, Pastor, I can't even read my Bible, my whole life is falling apart. But you say, I'm going to do it anyway. That's when you serve God. That's when you get to the place where you, like Moses say. Hey, he got to say those famous words, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And in my life and in your life, we'd like to have that climax. But if you're going to get to the. Let me do something. Let me just be very frank with you because I'm out of time. We talked about this on Sunday morning, but I'll say it again. You will always be the loser in your spiritual life until you get to the place where you get serious about this thing. I mean, serious. I mean, show it to you in the Bible. The Bible says that there are people in heaven who will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But in heaven, yeah. In heaven, there are certain Christians, the Bible said, Jesus Christ said, they'll be called the greatest, and there's going to be certain Christians that are going to be called the least. Let me tell you something, least. When you get to heaven, you're not going to blame it on this pastor. You're not going to say, well, nobody ever told me. I, mean, I told you that if you're going to be successful in your Christian life, you're going to have to get serious about God's demands, about God's duty, about doing, working for God and the pressure and the time. I told you that. Let me ask you one, one question. When are you going to get serious about it? Pastor, I don't want to serve God. I know, but talk is cheap. When are you going to get serious and start actually removing sin out of your life? And actually start removing filth out of your life. And actually start saying, okay, God, you have my attention. You say, well, pastor, where do I start? Uh, I don't know, maybe with your television. You say, well, pastor, where do I start? Maybe with your CD rack. Pastor, where do I start? Maybe with your movie case, but with your TV guy. Maybe with whatever, whatever. Your alcohol. Yeah, that's really it's a good place to start. Maybe throwing out your NIV and your New King James and anything that's not in the Bible. Whatever it is. trying to make me gold Amen. that's when you'll serve God and by the way that's God's work well the church down the street told me that God's work is just going out and giving the homeless a sandwich go ahead and do that but if you want to be a Moses and be able to get to heaven and say God I preached to those in bondage thus saith the Lord God let my people go and they were delivered so are we talking about slavery no we're talking about salvation Delivered out of spiritual bondage. You say you want to be that Moses? You want to be that man? It's going to take work. It's God's work. It's not a game. It's by our heads in the board. me, Father? Lord, I just ask if there would be one person, one young person, one adult, somebody... If only one person would say tonight, I'm in, God. I'm in. I'm not half in, half out. I'm not a hypocrite about this anymore. I was a hypocrite about it. I was hiding things. I was doing things. I was excusing myself, but not anymore, God. I'm in. I want to be like Job and come forth as gold. Father, if you'd allow us to produce one Job, man, what we could do in this community. But I'm afraid that we're all just a little too comfortable. And a little too comfortable just playing church. Father, I pray You do a work in my life. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.